0: And I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, taking up where we left off last week in verse 22. If you remember last week, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath and he got into trouble with the Pharisees. He was always getting into trouble with the Pharisees. This time they were unhappy that Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath. They claim that Jesus was breaking the law. But Jesus countered by saying that He was the law. He claimed to be the King of rest, the Lord of the Sabbath, greater than King David, greater than the Levitical priesthood, greater than the temple that stood for the very people of God, greater even than the law of God itself. He said, the Son of Man is Lord of the sabbath and matthew the evangelist said you better believe he is he said he is the suffering servant of isaiah he's so gentle he won't break a bruised reed he's so humble in heart he won't snuff out a smoldering wick and in his name the nations will put their hope jesus is the king of rest well that's not how the pharisees thought that interaction was going to go that's not how they wanted it to go They were so rip-roaring mad that they began to plot out how they could kill Jesus. And in today's passage, they came up with an idea. It's a really bad idea. But if this idea had worked, it would mean the end of Jesus. They decided to claim that, that not only was he a Sabbath breaker, that he wasn't the king of rest, But he was actually the king, I can't believe we're going to say this, the king of demons. Yes, you heard me right. Jesus was claiming to be the king of rest. But the Pharisees were claiming that he was instead the king of demons, or at least working with and for the king of demons. Now, I'm sure you did not come today to church wondering if Jesus was in league with Satan. Maybe you did. Did anybody come with that burning question? I didn't think so. You came this morning just to give thanksgiving. But aren't you just so thankful that this is true? That's what I want to call this message this morning. So thankful. Because there are at least three big things in today's passage that we should be rejoicing about every single day that we live. So very thankful. Let's pray together and then I'll show you what I mean. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. 10,000 reasons and then forever more. We came up with a dozen real quick. Just, Just for each other this morning. And then we sang about so many more, including, we are who you say we are. How precious that truth is. Lord, there's precious truth in here about who Jesus is and what this means for our lives today that should make us forever grateful. So Lord, show us this. Open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word and impress them on our hearts so that our hearts are led to worship. And You would orient us into this next week. Would You focus us now, Lord? We pray in the name of this Jesus, the one we believe is the suffering servant. The one we believe is the King of rest. No matter what the world says about Him, we believe in Him. And we pray He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we pray in His name, Jesus. Amen. The story starts with someone who had very little to be thankful for look down at verse 22 they brought him they brought two they brought him jesus a demon possessed man who was blind and mute and jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see all the people were astonished and said could this be the son of david isn't that amazing These people sure thought so. They they were amazed. They were astonished. Think about what this man's life was like before Jesus healed him. He could not see and he could not talk. So he was cut off in significant ways from the people around him. But even worse, inside of him was an evil spirit. He couldn't see But he was tormented by this demon, and he couldn't tell anybody what that was like. Can you imagine being him? We don't know what it was like. We don't know what forms that possession or oppression took beyond this blindness and muteness. He was shut in himself with the demon. And Jesus healed him. I'll bet he was thankful. The demon was gone. It, Matthew goes. Matthew makes it very clear he could now talk. What he might say, and that he could now see. And everybody was astonished, and they said, "Is this? Is this? Is this the Messiah? That's the kind of thing the Messiah is supposed to do. Could this be the Son of David? And we say, of course. And we're so thankful he is." And the Pharisees said, no way. Nuh-uh. Look at verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. What? Did they just go there? Did they just say what I think they said? Notice that they do not dispute the miracle. Nobody said, well, that guy isn't really healed. That demon's still hanging around. Oh, he can't really talk. He can't really see. That had nothing to do with Jesus. They can't argue with the miracle. So they argue with the only thing they can think of to argue with. They claim that Jesus is in league with Satan. It's only by the Lord of the heap The Lord of the Flies, the Prince of Demons, Satan himself, that this fellow, drives out demons. The New Living Translation puts verse 24 this way. No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the Prince of Demons. Now that's crazy to say. That is absolutely absurd. But if they could convince everybody that Jesus was an evil sorcerer in league with Satan, then it would be a capital offense. And Jesus will be put to death. And they wouldn't have their problem with him anymore. Jesus said back in chapter 10 that they were going to call him this. Do you Remember that? And he should expect that we are going to get the same. Have you been called in league with Satan yet? Just wait. Jesus said it is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of the household? They called Jesus Beelzebub, or in partnership with Beelzebub. But we know better. And we are so thankful that it's not true, that this is slander. Now, I'm serious here. This is point number one of three this morning. We can be so thankful that Jesus is not in league with Satan. I know, it sounds silly to say. But aren't you grateful that it's true? I mean, just just for a second, think about what if he was? Okay, don't think about it anymore. That's enough. We don't need to go there for very long to be incredibly grateful for the, the truth. In verse 25, Jesus starts to fight back with the truth. Look at verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts. And said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? Jesus is saying that Satan isn't that stupid. That's his first answer to this stupid accusation. Satan is not so stupid that he would send Jesus to drive Satan out of people. Jesus says, if you have a kingdom, a a city, a household, you don't intentionally set one part of it against another unless you want a civil war that's going to tear the house down. President Abraham Lincoln famously alluded to this very passage of Scripture to warn our country over what was going to happen in the late 19th century in his house-divided speech. Jesus said that Satan wasn't so stupid as to empower Jesus to bring the kingdom of God because it would mean the end of his fallen kingdom. He isn't going to work against himself like that. See, Jesus and Satan are not in league with each other even to do the work of the kingdom of God. Because that's what Jesus was doing. The blind see... The mute talk. The demons are cast out. Jesus is whomping on the evil kingdom of Satan. Satan isn't behind that. Verse 27. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. You know, you, you, you Pharisees have your exorcists too in your own little way. The Pharisees had lots of little incantations and phrases they used. And their exorcisms weren't nearly as effective as Jesus's. Jesus just had to say, go. And they had to go. But if Jesus was doing this by the power of Satan, then that throws some shade on their ministry. Not that's No, that's not what's going on. Jesus is not in league with Satan. Jesus, in fact, is bringing the kingdom of God. That's what's going on here. Look at verse 28. 28. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Yeah. See, that's what's happening here. You and I can see that. Jesus is driving out demons by the Spirit of God. Luke calls Him by the finger of God. And that means that the kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of God has arrived. Do you want to be thankful for something this Thanksgiving week? Be thankful that the kingdom of God has shown up. Now, of course, the kingdom hasn't yet come in all of its fullness. This is not as good as it gets. It's going to get amazingly better. But it's here. The king has arrived, so the kingdom has arrived, and we have everything to be thankful for. Because think of this. Jesus is much stronger than Satan. Not only are they not on the same team, they're on opposing teams, but they're not on equal teams. Jesus is so much stronger than Satan. It's it's really not much of a contest. Look down at verse 29. Or again, he says, look at it this way. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. Now, Follow Jesus closely here. It might be a little surprising. There's a robber in verse 29. Who's the robber in verse 29? Jesus is. That's right. This is Jesus on a home invasion. Okay? Now, who's the strong man that he's robbing? That's Satan, right? Satan's a strong man. Satan is a lot stronger than any of us here on our own. If we went up against Satan all by ourselves, we'd be like the man in verse 22. Possessed, oppressed, shut down, beaten. But what if Jesus wants what the strong man has stolen and stockpiled in his house? Is anything going to stop him? Is the strong man, he's a strong man! Can can Jesus beat the strong man? You bet he can. Jesus can walk into that house. He can tie him up, and he can walk out with with whatever he wants. I want that. I want him. I want her. I'm leaving, and Satan, you can't do anything about it. You remember the contest between Jesus and Satan in the wilderness? Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights, and it says, and he was hungry. Yeah, I'll bet he was. He didn't eat. And then Satan came after him with temptation after temptation. Who won that one? Jesus did. It really was no contest. There is someone who is stronger than the strong man. Or, or as John says, the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Friends, Satan is going down. He is a defeated enemy on his way out. Yes, he's a roaring lion. He is an enemy, somebody to be wary of. But he is not winning, and he will not win. Resist him, and he must flee. Some of us read that this morning in Sunday school, right? Resist the devil, and he must flee. Why? Because you're so wonderful? No, because our Lord is stronger than Satan. I think sometimes we give Satan way too much credit And fear Him way too much. We should respect His power and never trust Him, for sure. Don't think that you on your own are any match for Satan. But don't give Him too much credit. And don't cede to Him any ground. Because our Lord is so much stronger than Satan. We can be so thankful. Jesus' kingdom will come and it will not fail. We can be so thankful. And we can choose the right side. Verse 30. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. That means that we need to choose which side we'll be on. You don't automatically end up on Jesus' team. You are not with Jesus by default. In fact, by default, you're with the other guy. So, this is a call to not pretend or think that you are neutral, it's a call to join. Jesus's kingdom. He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters. It's a way of inviting us to be with him, to take him up on his offer to come to him and find rest for our souls. Wade Nolan was our wild game dinner speaker two times in the last 10 years. He died this summer and went to be with our Lord. I remember the first time Wade Nolan spoke to us. He told us about this fence, that guys like to think that they're on the fence. They haven't yet decided or made up their minds about Jesus. They're fence-sitters. Are you familiar with this concept? But Wade quoted this verse right here, and he said, Guys, there is no fence. Jesus said, if you are not with me, you're against me. this is not a call to get off the fence it's a call to make sure you're on the right side because there is no fence and the right side is Jesus' side because he's gonna win so thankful that Jesus is so much stronger than Satan do you need to hear that this Thanksgiving week does it seem to you like the opposite is true Or even that Satan is winning? That's not true. That's not at all how it is. Satan is alive and a dangerous enemy, but he is a defeated enemy on a short leash. And he will not, is not, and will not win. One more thing and then we'll sing How Great Thou Art. We can be so thankful this holiday season that Jesus forgives every kind of sin but one. Look at verse 31. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Now I know that's a scary passage. It's because we focus on the but one part of that sentence I have up there on the screen. Just knowing that there is an unforgivable sin is a scary thing to understand. And Jesus was warning these people that they were doing it or they were getting really close to doing it. What is this blasphemy against the Spirit? Blasphemy is extreme slander. Okay, That's what it is. It's, 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 it's saying an outright and total lie about who god is and the blasphemy of the holy spirit is attributing to satan what is clearly the work of god it's attributing to satan what is clearly the work of god it's looking at jesus the one who is bringing the kingdom of god and saying and not repenting of saying it's only by beelzebub the prince of demons that this fellow drives out demons see it's not just speaking against jesus Verse 32 makes that clear. You can sin against the Son of Man. It's speaking against Jesus in such an irretrievable way, such an irrevocable way, such an unrepentant, hard-hearted way that you don't care what the Holy Spirit says about Jesus. Jesus is the devil. You utterly and totally reject the witness of the Spirit to the person of the Son. That's what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. Now, I know that some of you may be afraid that you've done this unforgivable thing. You have a tender conscience. If you are afraid that you have, I can tell you that you have not yet done it. Because those who have done this don't walk back from it. They aren't afraid that they've done it. They, they love it. They choose it. It is right to them. They're not going to do anything but this. The Apostle Peter denied that he knew Jesus. He denied that he knew Him, but he was forgiven. Judas betrayed Jesus, and though he felt bad about it, he never repented and came back. The unforgivable sin is rejecting Jesus and still rejecting Jesus and always rejecting Jesus. Rejecting who the Holy Spirit has clearly revealed that Jesus is. Unless that's what you're doing right now, you have not committed the sin. So think about this from verse 31. Focus on this part of this statement. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven by men. The Lord forgives every kind of sin but one. Don't think about the but one right now. Just think about the every kind of sin. That's what to be thankful for today. Your sins can be forgiven. Does verse 31 include your sins? You're like, well, Pastor Matt, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. I mean, I care. But it doesn't matter. Your sins are not bigger than Jesus' blood. They're not. Jesus' blood is more precious than your sin. It's more valuable, more powerful than your sin. It doesn't matter what it is. Just think about your sins for a minute. Not more than a minute. But just look back over your past. I'm so ashamed of my sin. Including the sins I still struggle with today. Now take those sins, all of them that you can think of and all the ones you can't think of but you know are there and put them into verse 31. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. Will be forgiven. And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. So very thankful. I know that Jesus said these things to warn the Pharisees. You know, they, they were really the ones that were in league with Satan, weren't they? They didn't know it, but they were playing his game. Jesus warned them to repent while they still could and join his winning team. Because if they didn't, not forgiven in this age and the age to come. And He's inviting you and me to do that too, today. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke of discipleship upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Have you done that? He's inviting you right now. And He's paved the way. He he died on the cross to pay for your sins. So they'll be forgiven. Have you trusted Him for that? He's inviting you now. And there's no sin that's too big for Him to forgive. Certainly if you reject Him, He will reject you. But if you want to come to Him, He will in no way leave you out. He is so strong. Stronger than the strong man. He is mighty to save. He is bringing His kingdom which will rule over all. And he invites you to come to him. If you don't, you're against him. There is no fence. He who does not gather with Jesus scatters. But all who come to Jesus have every reason to be so very.